The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So I want to hear from you this morning what you've been noticing. Should I just give it to somebody? Um, well, let's wait a minute and see if somebody volunteers. <laughs> <laughs> we could we could do that. Go ahead, Joel. Yeah. Question was: Is this anything different? I wasn't here last night. Was it just the normal reporting? Oh, last night we did uh, we did a structured exercise around eating. <laughs> and that's what this would be about. No, no. no? Okay. The reporting this morning is about what you're noticing in your in your normal day, in your exercises. And, and I'm particularly actually interested in hearing about um, the happiness exercise and what people are noticing around walking, if anybody is using the walking also. Because I've heard, I've heard some about the... Uh, I've heard more about the, uh, the exercises of the chore and the repeating task but I haven't heard as much about walking or the happiness, so I thought I'd encourage those areas. Yeah, Maureen. I haven't been doing the walking exercise, but when I remember to notice happiness and it happens over and over again, it's almost as if I put some sort of template over what's around me, and things pop out. So what, what is popping out? Well, I came off the freeway this morning and um, was coming down Whipple, and I thought, oh, happiness. Remember happiness. And I looked up, and... I could see all the way down to El Camino Real, and it was like, oh, the train! You know, it was like, and the train is something that I react to with affection, but it was real far away, and it wasn't that much of a stimulus. And the the, the jolly red lights and all the cars sort of streaming to work, and it was like, oh, this is nice. But I didn't have that, oh, just sort of a feeling. It wasn't so much... Uh, an energetic as um, or a high energetic state. Mm-hmm. It was more uh, a contented state. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It was like, oh, oh. And that's happened over and over again. It's when you remember happiness, that state comes back. And whatever. Well, what happens is that I pay attention. It it puts me into the pay attention with with particularly focusing on happiness, and it's like, oh, this is okay, and I keep on coming back to. That's fine, mm-hmm. which is it's it's interesting. So what you're noticing here is essentially the power of thought. Um, and you know we don't actually talk that much about thought in meditation practice, but it's a very powerful way to incline the mind towards 
wholesome experience. So it's, it sounds like what's happening is that the remembrance of pay attention is coming back with the uh, thought of pay attention and notice whether there's any kind of happiness. So they're coming together. And that actually is, is sort of inclining the mind towards noticing happiness or noticing flavors of happiness. You're noticing contentment more than the, the kind of energetic form of happiness. And so this is, this is very, a very powerful thing to notice. And on Sunday, we did the reflective practice where we're sitting in a state of meditation and dropped in the, the, fr- the phrases. And that works in a similar way. That essentially, you know, if you put a thought into the mind, it can create the conditions for that, for things around that thought to arise. So it's a very powerful tool that often our habitual mind is using to lead us into suffering. And we can use it consciously to support the cultivation of beautiful qualities. Not only happiness, but um, confidence, peacefulness, energy, mindfulness. (laughs) We can can use it. And, And you can, you know, just dropping the word in is one way. So if you're interested in, in cultivating patience, you can use that word and it, it can kind of evoke the feeling a little bit and kind of steer the mind in that direction. It is like a template in a way. You called it a template, putting a template. It's like, okay, can I look through my experience through this lens of patience or happiness? And there may be things that pop out that highlight because of that. And normally we, we, we filter our experience through a lens of whatever view of the self is up at the moment. You know, the view of the miserable self or the frustrated self or the rushing self. And, and that's the way our experience is oriented. So this is, this is the power of the mind. And we can use it to our advantage in terms of cultivating these skillful qualities. And it's, it is a skillful thing to do. You know, it's not... Um, we don't usually do it in our mindfulness meditation practice so much, um, except perhaps to incline the mind towards mindfulness. In concentration practice, we can use it a little more because we are trying to orient the mind towards a particular state in concentration practice. And we can use this... uh, Sometimes they're called resolves. I like to call them requests. We can kind of request the mind to orient in a particular direction, not to make it happen. So this isn't about saying, be happy or be patient. It's about putting that... It's kind of like saying to the body and mind, may there be patience, or might there be patience here, might there be happiness here. Kind of just checking in with that lens and then seeing what's there. 
I've been using this analogy of ringing the doorbell of whatever, ringing the doorbell of happiness and seeing what answers. You're not trying to construct the happiness. But, and it didn't sound like you did. It was kind of like happiness. And there's like, oh, look at that. There's the train and the lights and the just this feeling of, this is okay. This, this feels good. So, yeah. Thank you, Sue. Thank you. This morning, but usually. Okay. Uh, every morning and most time, as I, my conscious wake up and, and then without opening my eyes, uh, I'm feeling of already it's calm, happiness, contentment is, it's already there. And this is before you get out of bed or? Yeah, before getting out, uh, before getting out of bed, I always stay there and um, connected with everything, uh, everything, and, and uh, oh, if I can call, we call divine love, and it's something, feeling of connecting with, uh, with, with the love of the divine. Mm-hmm. I, I pray, and, and just naturally, I it comes out. It's so gratitude, mm-hmm. gratitude. That's that's uh, that's that is the already happiness. And then and then uh, I do this um, meta, meta myself and all others. It just uh, brings happiness pouring to me, <laughs> pouring, pouring. And then I. Walk up and say walking one one leg one hands and 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 then I do that. Then I go to kitchen and if I get uh, get busy, too caught up with to I uh, to make up the time, uh, what time? Then kind of uh, that's behind the behind it. Mm-hmm. It's it's not obviously oh I'm happy, uh-huh. but. Maybe I don't say it's lost, but it's in there, and then rushing, rushing. It's well, masked. Yeah, yeah, it's hidden. <laughs> yeah, and when I rush, rushing, then kind of a little lost in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. So that's uh, another good thing to notice. Um, essentially, you're noticing the conditions that support happiness, and the conditions that get in the way of happiness. So in noticing that, you can see if you can incline yourself towards the conditions that support the happiness. So you're rushing and, well, can you either let go of the rushing? Is it necessary to be rushing? Sometimes it is. I mean, sometimes in our daily lives, we have to rush. You know, there's not... It's just part of life that we have to do that. And can you, in that rushing, I mean, because sometimes in the rushing what happens is that we get caught into the thoughts about what we are rushing about or what rushing for. And that's not always necessary. We can actually rush mindfully. It's possible to rush mindfully. 
you know, to, to just know that feeling of moving quickly and having to do things quickly um, without being caught in the thoughts around why we are rushing. And that might uh, be a, a way that you can stay a little more connected with the happiness if you can be mindful of the rushing. If you can let go of the rushing, I encourage that because often we rush when we don't need to. That it's, it's a habit. We have a, a rushing habit in our culture. So if you can let go of the rushing, that's great. If not, see if you can allow the mindfulness to come in. Noticing, oh, I'm rushing and, and lost, have, have lost the happiness. Can you allow the mindfulness to just come into that space of rushing and, mm. and be the rushing <laughs> for, mm. for a little while? And notice what happens when you do that to the quality of your mind. Does it, does it feel, I mean, it can feel kind of joyful to rush. It's like, oh, I'm doing these things, I'm going to do this thing. You know, it's, it, it, can, it can feel kind of joyful. So noticing how the mindfulness impacts the uh, emotional state or tone around whatever it is. In this case, I'm talking about rushing. So, mm-hmm. Great. Min. I think I had like opposite experience as Sue because I caught myself in the mirror this morning and I had like furrows in my brows and I, nothing happened but I was in already in a bad mood. <laughs> so um, I think I just, um, in the mornings, for some reason, I, I just um, don't feel that good. Um, a little grumpy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So that's what I noticed about about this morning. Um, and last night, um, I was talking to a friend, and um, something she said like got under my skin, and I was um, I felt bad, and then a little bit defensive. Like um, sometimes um, when I talk to this friend, I feel a little bit competitive and combative and like defensive so um at that time i i noticed that i was feeling bad and i wanted to like get away from her (laughs) get away from the situation um but later i kind of uh, thought about that situation and got curious as to how i can um be more mindful in that situation like how i can respond to her better mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. just um, being defensive, um, I guess. Um. So that's, that's another wonderful tool that we can use is to, as you go through the day, you see where, we're, you see where you're caught, where things get grinchy, and there's often a little bit of mindfulness there. I mean, you noticed at least, that you were defensive and feeling like you wanted to get away. Um, and then to reflect later on, how can I, you know, kind of like just reflecting on the situation and how you might bring mindfulness to it. That's another tool we can use, especially in our daily lives, to, it's, it's, it, it can, it can, uh, tip into 
a little bit of self-flagellation. So we need to take care that it's more just curiosity and um, you know a gentle reflection around the situation. So it, it's a it's a skillful tool, and it is one that needs to be used carefully, so that you're not um, just thinking back and going, "Oh, I was, I was so unmindful," and you know, just kind of beating yourself up. So um, doing that with a sense of love and compassion for yourself. Um, what did you reflect when you thought back? I felt that um, because I had similar situation before with her, um, and at that time um, I um, sat on a sofa and like um, I felt really bad, and then um, because of what she said, um, and then I um, I realized I'm so worked up over some words that she said, and it just kind of. Um, made me realize that, that like words are just words, and I just I just get so worked up over it, and it just was kind of um, silly, <laughs> maybe. Um, so at that time, I knew that um, oh, that's just what she just 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 some words that I um, gave a lot of meaning to, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but. Same thing happens later, like um, yesterday, and it happens again. I, I get caught up in it again. Um, but later when I reflected on it, um, I um, maybe thought that I could have this irritation, like I could have this irritation toward her, um, but maybe I could respond um, in a in a happy, like joyful manner, mm-hmm. like even if I have this irritation, mm-hmm. if I have some mm-hmm. space. Mm-hmm. That's another um, wonderful practice that I like to uh, suggest with people is that in an experience, knowing what's happening, so you know, you knew, you clearly knew the irritation. If you can clearly know that, not to repress it, not to fight it, not to um, you know, pretend like it's not there. But um, the way I like to think about it is, can I feel that but behave in a way, or perhaps and behave in a way, that it does not leak out into my behavior? And it kind of is, it becomes this kind of almost secret feeling of irritation. You know, it's like, Okay, you know, it's fine, it's fine to feel that. It's like the secret, the secret lover of feeling irritation. You know, it's like, yeah, that's okay. You know, it's okay to feel that irritation. And let's keep it secret. <laughs> let's keep it quiet. You know, at that time, I usually want to share. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and, and then behaving perhaps in a way, maybe not happy, but at least, I mean, whatever, whatever feels to you like you can muster up, but perhaps patience, you know, behaving with patience or behaving with perhaps a sense of compassion if you see there's some suffering there or suffering in yourself. 
Um, so choosing a quality to see if you can enact that quality. Um, sometimes we don't like to, to, to do this. It's kind of like in our culture we have this idea of, you know, if I'm feeling something, I need to act it because that's being true to myself, you know. And I think we go overboard here. You know, it's like, oh, well, I'm angry, so I'm going to put it out there. That actually reinforces that feeling. That reinforces the anger. It reinforces the irritation. So um, there's a... I talked a, a little bit about intention. We haven't talked as much about it as I thought we would. But, but the, the way of using this, so um, you know, you're, you're in that state of irritation and you're consciously recognizing that, but then behaving in a way that is cultivating the intention of patience or happiness. So the, the, our behavior actually, if we are acting with the intention of cultivating that quality, it's like, okay, you know, I'd like to move towards being able to respond non-reactively here. So I'm going to act in a way that is trying to express that intention. Our behavior, it, it like starts to have a rebound effect on our mind. That if we behave that way, we can start to, to feel that, you know, that, that the patience will, will come up. I was practicing this with patience for a period of time. And um, patience is one of those that just, it just erupts for me pretty regularly. And so when I feel the impatience, I often use this technique um, of trying to behave in a way such that the impatience doesn't leak out in my actions. Because I often notice impatience leaking out in my actions. I start moving quickly, throwing things around, you know, just being very careless with my body when I'm impatient. And so the main thing I do is act with more patience in my body. I start moving more slowly, taking more care with where I put things. And it's amazing how fast the quality of patience actually arises in the mind. So this is a beautiful way to, to work. When we're feeling that impatience or irritation or frustration or whatever is happening, clearly, clearly acknowledge it. Don't try to suppress it. That is crucial in this. It's crucial in this exercise. If you try to suppress it and act out of happiness, the mind knows or that frustration knows you're being false. This isn't about falseness. And so does everybody else. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Other Um, so let me let me say the comments that have just come in for the recording purposes. So uh, one person, well, Betsy, said that uh, when you're acting, when you're repressing and acting in a way, I said that you know you're feeling, you're, you're, it's a false feeling. And Betsy said, and so does everyone else know that. Um, and then Debbie asked, is that why affirmations don't work? sometimes. And I think that there might be something there. 
because it may be that with the affirmations you're saying I'm, I am happy, I am healthy and you're not feeling happy you're not feeling that way and there's a kind of suppression of you know I've got to, I've got to overlay this feeling on what I'm I have to feel that way and I, I, yeah, I don't tend to like to use affirmations for that purpose because it's making a demand on the mind, the mind that it's not experiencing. So the request, may I be happy, is a gentler way. It's, it, that is using intention. That is using the intention towards happiness. And again, you know, it's like you, you, you put the intention out there and if you can, you know, behaving in a way that's in line with that intention and then seeing what the response is. See what the response is in the body and mind to inclining the mind in that direction. Thank you, Min. Sue? Sue? Oh, I was just going to add a comment. Okay. Um, in this area... Um, in my experience, one thing that I've found helpful, um, like in recognizing I'm impatient, is um, is really looking at that and seeing the selfing in that and the self in that. And once I recognize that, oh, I'm impatient because I'm not getting what I want, I think one of the key things you said about um, impatient leaking out or frustration leaking out is that um, it's um, about the self. Um, um, or that I have to be true to myself, then that's why I have to act out on it. So what's helpful for me is to, when I recognize that and see the self, is to look at the situation and say to myself, how can I act in a way that I'm not, um, that I'm not acting out of myself? I mean, me, not, not acting out of ego. I don't know if uh, I'm really uh-huh, explaining uh-huh, this right, uh-huh, but uh-huh. I, I use this a lot at work. Um, if I come across, you know, we all have difficult people that we've dealt with in the past and, I could be walking down the hallway and see that person and I immediately feel, ooh, a tightness or a, or a frustration or sometimes an anger. And what I'm doing is is reliving the past and my past experience. So um, when I feel that and recognize that, I try to bring myself to say, how can I act in this present moment here? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. that history is gone with that person. This is a brand new moment with that person. And oftentimes I'll just say hi and smile. And it's fine. We'll go our, our own ways. And it, 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 um, it's a good practice for me to use um, when I recognize those negative feelings popping up. Thank you. Betsy. Oh, there's plenty of time. (laughs) Um, Well, you began by asking about the walking. um, And I have had a very um, emotionally um, rich and complex week, which before this practice, I would have said it was a, um, you know, completely difficult impossible week and um, I think because of I I so believe in the um, way I begin something because it has tends to have more lasting consequences and Mm. the walking that we did here together on Sunday had a really profound impact on me and maybe because of that 
even when I have not been thoughtfully, consciously practicing walking, I've returned um, to paying attention um, through the four movement, seeing, hearing, and, and feeling. And so I have been supported by a kind of happiness throughout this very difficult and really deeply sad week. Mm-hmm. And um, because of a host of things, my father is still living in it, and he's a very, um, very difficult person in my life. And he has been acting out in really painful ways towards his four children, but particularly towards the son that's been closest to him, who in turn has turned to me to lay off a load of blame and anger and sorrow. And um, in my meditation this morning, I kept getting these visualizations about, you know, the car accident and my tending towards the body of my brother, for whom I feel a lot of compassion. And, I mean, thanks for this practice that I just heard myself say, um, can you be there for your own vulnerability, Betsy? Because hmm. that's been the most difficult place for me. And um, in a moment later, I heard, as I was telling you on Sunday, um, I could hear my own footsteps. And in that moment, then I could feel um, as if, you know, the three faces of Eve, we think of our split personalities as being a negative, but in this sense, the very positive gift. I don't know that it's happiness, but the true gift mm-hmm. of, of being another person for the person that is sitting there in aching sorrow, to be able to come in and just be present, there was this um, sweetness of a Mm -hmm. gift Mm -hmm. in that. And so it circled back to the walking meditation that we started here on Sunday. Mm. So thank you for that. Thank you, Betsy. Yeah, the... um the gift of this practice really is that movement to be able to be with our own vulnerability. And that's actually a truth. You know, it's, it's aligning with truth when we're with our own vulnerability. And something about that alignment, it's like, oh, right. You know, there's kind of a settling when we align there. It's like, right, yep. It's like this. And there's a, a feeling, I, I, you know, the sweetness, that's a good word for it. And I also find a kind of a feeling of, of relief. You know, just like, oh, right, I don't have to fight this. I don't have to fight. And you can actually, at least I, I felt the relief. Um, I found a little bit of control that I hadn't even known I had, how much... You know, when I the relief is muscular as well. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, for me also, there's a kind of a feeling in the core of the body that relaxes. Yeah, it's like it's like everything goes pulled down <laughs> instead of being kind of held up this way. Yeah. Thank you, Betsy.
a Debbie. After my interview with you yesterday, I went for about a 35-minute walk, and the conversation was continuing between us. (laughs) 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 And, yeah, at one point when I woke up to it, it was like, shh. (laughs) You know, but it just kept going. The conversation just kept going on and on and on. (laughs) And and then I, I think I just came to a place of peace about it. Well, that's just... It was as if I'd been in a cave for 10 years and was let out, and I finally got to talk to somebody. I was like so, my energy was so stirred up about it. So it was just kind of wild for me. And then uh, this morning I was running a little bit late, and I noticed that tendency to want to start rushing, but I just thought, no, I don't just, I'm not going to get there that much faster if I rush. So... That was part of my balancing the energy level issue. And then it was very interesting coming down the freeway or just getting coming down here since I was a half an hour later than the previous mornings. You know, oh, the school children are out, all these things that I hadn't seen the other days. And, you know, the traffic was different on the freeway. And then coming down there was this wall of clouds that almost looked like a mountain range. I felt like I was in another state. So that's And what I, was the response to these things? Um, oh, good question. <laughs> <laughs> Gratitude. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I've been thinking about that, how grateful I am for IMC, not only for the teachers, but for the community and it wouldn't be the same doing this alone, so I'm very grateful for the sangha. So the the um, it's good to notice those um, those impacts that coming into the present moment. I mean, we often um, notice the impact on our senses, you know, the seeing and the hearing, and and there's actually an impact on our minds as well. And, um, you know, you, it sounds like you kind of felt it under the surface, in a way, the feeling of gratitude. Um, I mean, when you talked about the school children, my immediate image was joyful. You know, seeing the kids and kind of a happiness of seeing the kids kind of walking. But I don't know if that's what you felt. That's what, what I experienced when you mentioned it. What I mostly noticed around the school children was I'm not usually up that early and out, and I don't have kids, so it's like, oh, there's this whole other world out there that I'm just not a part of. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and I was glad to be out. Uh-huh. And see. So there was gladness. Yeah. yeah. So um, noticing that in retrospect, you know, it's kind of interesting to see, can we, in the moment of having experience, also notice the resonance in our hearts. Maybe, maybe thinking about it, the resonance in our hearts as opposed to on our minds. You know, what's the resonance in our hearts with that experience? Kind of, you could just ask the question again, like push the doorbell of what's the, <laughs> what's the, what's happening in my heart as as this happens. Just kind of opening to the possibility of there being a, a response. Not necessarily a reaction, but you know, kind of an opening to what's happening there. So again, not to create something, but just to check in and open to the 
possibility. It's kind of like our filter, again, it's our filter of where we're looking. If our filter's on the external world, we might miss the, uh, the awareness or the, the knowing of in the moment the happiness. And we might be feeling it, but not really cognizant of it, not really aware of it. Or the gratitude. Okay. Um, and there's a couple of things. One, it's really difficult. You asked to see if you can see when your mind goes off mm-hmm. the, what you're doing, the awareness. And uh, I thought you were being inscrutable because if I could do that, then it would never go off awareness. <laughs> what we try to do is to. You know, it's kind of like you're tracking the awareness. It, it, how do I describe this? You can um, start, like I said, you can start to feel the fuzziness that comes as you um, drift away. And if you can get familiar with that feeling of that fuzziness, it can highlight to you, oh, I'm losing touch, I'm, I'm getting caught in something, and you might then see what is pulling you. Um, you know, you can't always see it. You can't always see it. But you can begin to... to it, that's like that can become a wake-up bell for you, to that feeling of... So that can be known. It that. can be known, yeah, it can be known. And the other piece is that if you're kind of tracking your experience with the um, the interest in seeing what catches you, what pulls you away, then when you come back, you might start noticing actually, if you're tracking it with that interest, that you have longer periods of, of mindfulness. And then there's like little holes in the mindfulness. It's like, oh yeah, I got, I got, I, I. but it's not long. I mean, it's maybe 30 seconds or something. Um, and when you get to the place where the gaps, you're noticing the gaps. I mean, at first you might not even notice there are gaps. You know, you're just kind of paying attention and think that you're pretty mindful for the whole five minutes of brushing your teeth or making your bed or whatever. And then you start to notice, oh, actually, no. You know, I go out for like two seconds or even, you know, uh, 30 seconds, you know, just, just like, just boom, you're out and then you're back. And when you start to notice those gaps, you again can begin to see what is it that sh- that's catching you. So you can see it both on the, the leaving side and the coming back. When you wake up in those, after like just two or three seconds of forgetting, you might realize, oh yeah, I was living in this world of being at work and having an argument with that person for those two seconds. It's like, boom, that world is created and that also gives you a sense. I mean, you wake up into the midst of that world and it can give you a sense of what had caught you because it wasn't that long. I mean, it wasn't that long. So you can, you can um, notice it on both sides, both the kind of the drifting quality or the being pulled. Um, you know, often there's like three or four thoughts in there. Last night I mentioned the uh, the teaching from the Buddha called the Honeyball Sutta, where it's like, it goes from 
feeling, what one feels, that one perceives, what one perceives, that one thinks about, what one thinks about, that one mentally proliferates. And you can see that process happening. And that's like the description of how that drifting goes. It's like you see something, you perceive it, you think about it, and the thoughts are usually pretty minimal. It might be, yep, there's, there's that thing. I've got to do something with that thing. And then I has appeared and we're going to figure out how we're going to do it, how we're going to keep it, how we're going to, whatever we want to do with it. And, and, you know, so it's kind of like there's, there's this little tiny, you're kind of there, you can kind of be it's there. It's so for wispy this. It, Yes, yes, it's wispy. And you can feel, you can feel that the mind kind of leaving. <laughs> so um, just keep playing with it. And just take an interest in it. Don't try to do it. You can't do this. It's more of, you know, you can, it is something that can be noticed. So taking an interest in the possibility can help to reveal it. And you might at some point go, oh, there it is. Wow, that's what she was talking about. <laughs> and then you'll get a sense of what it is. So um, just keep keep taking an interest in that. Okay, so thank you for your reports.